I'm excited to be with you as we kick off our fall teaching series. And uh, anybody want to get real about life over the next five weeks together? The three over here, the rest are like, mm, I'm not sure. That sounds painful. Uh, I'd rather just stick to uh, fakeness and, you know, the Instagram life that I'm currently living. I find that most of us, myself included, man, when it comes to real stuff about what is really going on in our life, it often is the very thing we never wanted to talk about or bring up. And even in church, we can come on and we can put on like the face because you don't have to raise your hand this morning, but some of you, you came with like two, three, four children this morning and on the drive over was the most unchristian-like experience of your entire week. I've, I've lived it, I've seen it, and so, you know, I want to encourage you, today, we're kicking off five weeks about getting real in our life to talk about very real things. And the first one is, is not that strenuous for you in the sense that you're not going to have to get deep into the emotional side of your life yet. We're going to talk about what it looks like to have real impact with your life. As Christians, we'll often talk about, okay, Jesus was crucified, resurrected from the grave. I have a relationship with the Almighty God because I've received his salvation by grace alone, through faith alone. I've repented of my sin. I've drawn near to God. And now I want to be somebody that God uses. Yet very few American Christians will actually see God use their life to make an impact. It's interesting. You know, the majority of American Christians will never see Someone who didn't know Jesus come to know Jesus because God used them to talk to that person. The majority will never get to see a person who is hurting and, and broken and lost be found and helped and healed because God used them. And I just think that is, you know, that's no condemnation. Don't feel guilty if you feel like that's you in the room. That's the majority of uh, church attending Christians today. And, and I just want to encourage you this morning that it's not by your power or your abilities or talents that you will make a spiritual impact with your life. It will only be through the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit that is with us right now in the room. And I think it's only when we get to that place last week that we talked about of surrender that we begin to see God move and work. That was sermon number one. You guys ready this morning? Because we're going to get into it, and I believe that God's going to do something special in our time. You saw the tailgate out in the parking lot. We have, uh, I think, 30 to 35 of our 60 outposts represented out there. So there are more that aren't even represented out there today that we're going to ask you to go, I want to make an impact with my life. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to do something more than just attend a church service. If you have a Bible powered on or turn on the one in book rack to Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. Mark 2, verse 1. As you're turning to Mark chapter 2, you know, I love this passage. It's a very simple story where just four individuals make a huge impact with their life. And I think it's easily uh, able to be replicated. Do you realize that uh, we celebrated 12 years since the church officially launched, 13 years since we began meeting in a home last week? And, and I realized that the plan for what we've been doing has not really changed in the last 12 plus years. Our vision to see a decentralized approach to church, the priesthood of all believers that live out on mission through outposts to make an impact with your life. You might say, well, what is an outpost? We're, we're going to get into detail about that this morning. 
But essentially, if you imagine like a, a life group or a small group that meets in the home, but actually wants to make an impact with their lives, that's essentially what an outpost is and how it started. The first five outposts that ever existed actually were just uh, groups that met in homes that were doing Bible study, talking about real life and real things. And they began to say, how could we actually make an impact and invited people from the community over to their home, began to see people reach for Christ in the house, began to see people be baptized and then develop as Christians. And eventually some outposts got started that were more about how do we meet the physical needs of the community. And so I think in this passage this morning, we get a great vision what community on mission, what an outpost is, could potentially look like. And that's what I want to study. Here we go. Mark chapter two, beginning in verse one. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Now, little background story. Jesus has just recently called the disciples, and I love the Gospel of Mark. It's only 16 chapters. It gets much more to the point to the teachings of Jesus. And in this passage, they've returned to Capernaum. Why? Well, this is where Peter grew up, and they essentially have made this kind of home base, and they're checking back in. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Can you picture it? So like they had their ecclesia, which just is the Greek word for gathering. They had their gathering in a home, and the home gets so packed out that nobody can even come in anymore. They can't hear what Jesus is saying. He's the popular guy in town as they've returned to Capernaum, and he's telling them the good news of God. Verse three, some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. So picture it. I don't know what their names are. Maybe we'll just call them Bob, Larry, Tom, Fred. Bob, Larry, Tom, Fred. That's good, right? The four of those guys, they're traveling. They're like, man, we got this guy, our good friend, Harry. Uh, you know, it's kind of confusing with Harry and Larry, but both of them, they're all friends. And they put him, we got him on his cot. They're like, we're going to get him to Jesus. Now, first of all, why are they going to get him to Jesus? They actually think... <laughs> that God, incarnate Jesus, could actually do something about this. And I think as we get into this, that's really where all this begins. You have to believe that God can actually do something. Verse 4, since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the, the mat the man was lying on. Picture the screams as they took away the, the, the mud and the thatched roof that is overhead, the crumbled things that fall to the ground. And they begin to lower this guy on a mat into the home. Now, if you were actually in the house and you weren't the one up on the roof, wouldn't that freak you out just a little bit? <laughs> like, what is happening here? And you see this thing being lowered down and you're not thinking, oh, good, these compassionate four gentlemen are trying to uh, help their friend. You're thinking, uh, they just destroyed my house Somebody call the insurance because I don't know how I'm going to get this covered, right? And they lower the guy on the mat down to Jesus. Look at verse five. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, so your sins are forgiven. He doesn't say, bring him over here. He simply says, your sins are forgiven. Look at verse nine with me now. And I want to show you why he says that. Uh, verse 10, but I, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He's like, the reason I said that, I want you to know I'm not just some magic healer. I'm the authority of God to heal people. 
So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this. So these four guys get their buddy, not only to Jesus, but get to see him physically healed and he's gonna walk away. Now it doesn't say, you know, I don't know how long he had been suffering, but I want you to just picture the emotion of that room. The word spreading in town. This was real impact that no one could deny. And Jesus was the ultimate authority. He was the one that brought the healing. It's only through his power that great impact occurs. But it required what there? These four guys having compassion for their friend and getting him to Jesus. Real impact requires that we work together. And that's what I want to discuss. Will you pray with me? God, uh, we just acknowledge your presence in the room right now. And I know that uh, wherever we're at around the globe, you're also present in room and, and vehicles as we're traveling. God, we just pray, Jesus, that your Holy Spirit would uh, get, get rid of anything that I have to say that's not from you. And instead, God, just replace it with what you, through your Spirit, want to speak to us through these words in Scripture about how to make a spiritual impact with our life. As we get real, God, and we get honest and say, we want to be Christians who live surrendered like we talked about last week so that we can see real impact made for our lives. We pray, Jesus, that you would use this this morning. I pray this would be a transformative time that maybe someone in the room even goes from a worship attender to a missionary Christian who wants to see their life used to make an impact. We love you, Jesus, and we give you this time. It's in your name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Have you ever seen anybody who makes really good use of the time that they've got? I mean, like, like they really live to make an impact. I, I, you know, I had planned to talk some about, I, I got to see that this week in my son's uh, high school tennis team. There's a, a student on that team that he's an upperclassman that just demonstrates how to in, include others and be somebody who is more than just about winning a match, actually making an impact in people's lives. That, a person that really makes the most of the time that they've got. And then I was watching a football game last night. I don't know if any of you turned on the television. There was a football game going on late last night. I know some of you don't like the Lord's team, but, you know, Notre Dame had a, a great comeback at the end. And it, I know some of you are like, I don't care about this, Jess, but I'm going to say it anyway because I do care. What, what happened, it was fourth and 16. The game is over, and, and Colin Hartman, this uh, senior, actually looks to make a pass, and he wants to pass the ball, but nobody's open, and he waits, and he waits, and he finally just takes off sprinting, and a guy who's not known for his running capability sprints 17 yards, gets a first down, and in a couple plays later, Notre Dame scores a touchdown and ends up winning the football game. Now, I don't know about you, but that is real impact in my book. Who's with me? Th three people. Okay. Uh, this is the Michigan fans? Is that, is that what we have here? No, it's probably the Purdue fans, isn't it? Yeah, nobody, uh, two people again. How many of you hate football? Is that, that's this group? Okay, now we know. You know, I was uh, th thinking about like, man, he really made good use of his time. And I was, had been moved earlier in the week by this this high school student who was actually living for more than just what a normal high school student does. And, and I was thinking about the missionaries we've seen here in our church 
who leave everything behind to go around the globe. I, I got a, uh, an email from uh, one of them this last week, uh, just someone who recently started attending here. We don't even financially support this missionary, but they were you know, just asking for prayer and sharing what, what was happening. I also got an email from Dave and Mary Gothi, who are uh, overseas and going to be traveling overseas here in the near future, making a big impact with the significant marriage ministry and saying, could, could we help them out? And it's just like seeing people leave everything behind and to go around the globe to make an impact. We, we do have someone we support from this church that literally got an inheritance, sold everything here, and moved their whole family overseas just to go, hey, God, we're going to live for you, and we know what you're calling us to. Now, I'm not telling you that if you know Jesus that you're going to have to sell everything you have and move to Mongolia this morning. Might. I, actually, I've heard Gen Z finds it a very beautiful. I was reading an article on it this week. But uh, it, God might call you to something radical like that. But I also believe that the, the missionary that we think has to go overseas also can live right here in our context to say, how do I help those in need and proclaim the coming kingdom of God until he returns? To make the most of the time, the talents, treasures I've been entrusted with, and I'm going to do it right now. It's way more important than a fourth and 16 in a football game to say, I want to be used by God. And that's really all this morning is about. In fact, We've shortened the whole service this morning to give you no excuses, no reason why you can't get involved and say, I want to make an impact with my life. So here we go. In the shortened sermon, we'll see how this goes. Real impact requires these three things. Number one, real community. Real community uh, has people in it who actually care about one another. Look at verse three again with me. It says, some men came bringing him, a paralyzed man carried by four of them. He's got four men that actually cared enough about this paralyzed man. They saw what he was going through on a daily basis, and he, they cared enough to do something about it. That's what real community looks like, where we have compassion for one another. Look what Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, compassion and the God of all comfort. The God demonstrates the type of compassion and comfort we're asked to care for each other with. Verse four, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can then do what? Comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. It says, you've received the grace of forgiveness and the care and the concern, the compassion of God. And so our job as Christians then is to share that compassion and comfort with other people. I think of a great example of this. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the story of William Wilberforce who in the early 1800s um, was a leader in the uh, United Kingdom in Great Britain. And he you know, found ways over the course of many years to fight against the slave trade that was occurring and eventually was able to end uh, the, the slave trade through the, the shipping system because of the stand that he took. I think of an example like that, somebody who had to see what, other people were going through. And certainly it has application in our culture today as many people of color have had to live lives and, and be treated in ways that at least I, may, I don't understand. I have not endured. And so the job of a Christian is not to judge. The job of a Christian is to see what somebody's going through and with care and concern, love and offer the comfort that we have received from God first. William Wilberforce demonstrated that and I think of our Outpost Network is really a, a group of passionate Christians 
who are looking all throughout their lives and saying, how could I be used to make an impact with my life? And, and many of them are, are outposts that meet in the home, do Bible studies, at least over the, the history of our church. This is the primary version of an outpost. We need more of these today. COVID stopped some of them. And meeting in homes and just inviting friends over to their house and studying God's word and worshiping and praying together and saying, God, use us to reach our neighbors, to be the spiritual family for those in need. Others get particular vision for how I could make an impact to help somebody. I think of our LOV outpost, the local orphan voice, who actually is me trying to end the foster care system need in our community, delivering uh, items and furniture to families in need to keep their kids from getting into the foster care system to begin with. It's a simple one that they've identified, hey, here's where we can make an impact. I don't know what God is calling you to, if it's like the LOV outposts or maybe uh, something even uh, harder like William Wilberforce went through, or maybe it's something specific in your school or in your neighborhood or at your workplace. Either way, we are called as Christians to develop the type of community that is real. The problem is that's super messy, isn't it? What about when living on mission gets really messy? What do you do? <laughs> We talk about that we're a hospital for sinners, but a hospital is a place that has hurting and broken and sick people run to. That brings a whole lot of stress and mess to say, I want to be used by God to make an impact. Well, when you're a hospital for sinners and I'm using for saints, it means that you're bringing on the burdens of others. That's the hard part, isn't it? But it's also the place where healing takes place, where real impact occurs. Now, don't confuse that when we say we're a hospital for sinners that uh, we're saying uh, that we're essentially the funeral home for uh, people to come and spiritually die and, and stay in their sin. That's, that's not the goal. It's to bring healing. But that gets really messy to say, God, use me to make an impact. And I'm going to invite you to bring some of that into my life so that you might use me to impact others. You see, I think one of the most important parts of that verse three, yes, they reached the paralyzed men, but it took some men came. Those first few words, they had to care enough to actually come in the first place, to believe that God could actually make an impact with their life. It would have been way easier to wake up and go, yeah, we'll probably, I mean, we can't get to them. There's a crowd, you know, and I don't want to, certainly we're not going to climb on the roof. That would hurt their home. What, what would that do? What would the implications be for us? What liability are we taking on? Think about what those four guys did how much stress they added to their life simply by doing that. But in the end, when they saw their friend healed, do you think it was all worth it to them? A hundred percent. And we have this idea that being used by God will be you know, easy. It won't be easy. It's pretty simple. You do what he's asking you to do, but it's actually hard in the process. Dietrich Bonhoeffer puts it this way about Christian community. And he was somebody who was in a Nazi internment camp, who was a pastor who preached against uh, the the horrible things that was happening in Germany at that time. And he said this about real community. He said, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community, even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial. If you're going to have, going to have real community, you're going to have real problems. And what Bonhoeffer is saying is, 
if the ideal version, the second something isn't perfect about the local church, about your outpost, about Christian community in general, you just throw in the towel and you run away because of the brokenness. I want to encourage you this morning. I get it. I get it. But you will miss out on the great things that God has. And we will never see real Christian community occur if we're not acknowledging that each person is a broken person. And we're going to have to walk with them not only through the good, but also through the bad. Real impact requires real community, not fake community, where we pretend like everybody's okay. And the second they're not, we run away which is what happens in American culture. We will move from church to church, from community to community, because this happened or that happened. Look, I'm not telling you to stay when real abuse is occurring or horrible things that are going to impact, but when somebody simply has a disagreement and we're afraid to have a conversation, we're missing out on the authenticity that community can provide. Okay, point number two. Here we go. It says uh, real impact requires then real risk. Look at verse four. Since they could not get him to Jesus because the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and they lower the, the guy on the mat into it. Picture that for just a second. The shouts, hey, what's going on? What are you doing on my roof? The, the people in the room screaming because things are falling down on their head. They're beginning to be angry at you. Hey, why didn't you wait your turn like everybody else? And yet they took the risk to get their friend to Jesus and because of that, they're going to make real impact. I think of the story of St. Patrick. And now there's a lot of lore around that that isn't true. But there is a real person named Patrick who existed. And he was somebody who had been enslaved as a young child. And finally got free and became a follower of Jesus and went back to Ireland to the very people that had enslaved him to tell them the truth of Jesus and to reach them with the gospel. That's somebody willing to risk everything to do what God is calling them to do. And I don't know about you, but I think about how short life is, how fast life moves along. I talked a little bit about that last week. That I only have so much time with our time, our talents, and our treasures to risk everything to make a spiritual impact. And I'll tell you, we have been risk takers from day one. It's part of the culture and the DNA of our church. And I don't know what God is in this, uh, doing in this room right now, but I believe there's probably some people that God is calling you to do some radical things. And it's going to take a leap of faith to believe that God could actually use you to make an impact with your life, just like these four men trying to get their buddy to Jesus. The goal of too many churches is survival. The goal of Mercy Road Church has, has never been about survival, us uh, making it as a church. Ours is to risk everything to reach one more person with the good news of Jesus. And, and man, I, I'm telling you, from day one, we've talked about this at, at board meetings. I, you know, I, if, I really think a church, we don't even have this here, but I, I want to push this at some point, that if, if when, like a five-year period, we haven't reached one new believer for Jesus, we should probably give all of our assets to a group of Christians that are. I, you know, I, I just really believe that we, and that's not a comment on other churches, that's, that's a comment on just a core belief that I have about what it means to follow Jesus. You see in this passage, people who are actually risking things in their life to make a spiritual impact, and we're always worried about well, you know, all the little liabilities and survivability of a local church or a local community. I think we have to be risk takers 
who, number three, have real priorities. It's going to take real risk, but we have to have real priorities. Look how this little section began in Mark chapter 2, verse 1. A few days later, you can underline and circle that. It had been a few days when Jesus again entered Capernaum. The people heard that he had come. They had used that short time to prepare themselves. I don't know, you know, they knew Jesus was coming. They knew the crowd that had occurred. And these, these four guys went and got their friend. And it doesn't really say that they had been preparing for days. We don't know that. But what we do know is that it took them actually communicating with each other without cell phones and agreeing upon a plan for how they're going to get their buddy to Jesus. It took prioritizing their friend in their life over their own uh, time or their own, uh, you know, effort. They had to think about someone else more than themselves. And that's what I find where the rubber really meets the road. I picture Bob and Larry chatting it up. Oh man, my my kid has a soccer game today. I'm not sure that I can really be there to to help out, you know, because I got, I got, it's important, you know, uh, you know, they're just under 500 and, you know, they could make it into the playoffs. But, you know, we'll, we'll get Harry there another day. Don't worry about it. I, I find that the priorities in our life often have great implications for the type of impact that we're actually having. Look at Psalm 39, verse 45. I, I love this verse. I think about this verse a lot in my life. Show me, Lord, my life's end and the number of my days. Let me know how fleeting my life is. You have made my days a mere handbreadth. A span of my years is nothing before you. Everyone is but a breath or a vapor in other translations, even those who seem secure. Your life, it says, is here one day and gone the next, right? You have the short time to make real impact. And I don't know that it's fourth and 16 in your life, okay? And the end of the game. But I do know that we all only have so much time to go, God, how could you use me to make an impact? Think about those four guys. If they would have just waited one day, a few days, a week, they may have never had that opportunity. The most important thing they ever did in their life would have been completely missed if they hadn't prioritized it. Can, can I just confess something to you? The older I get, the more that I, I want to like have a life that is sustainable and I'm not running around frantic. And I think that's a good, healthy, spiritual thing to have good, healthy standards in my life. And I encourage you to do that. I don't want you to run yourself ragged and, and pour yourself out so much that you're not in the overflow of the spirit of God in your life. I want to be with God, not just be used by God. But let me tell you something. I find in my life, too, there's the opposite side of that spectrum that I see a lot of us get into, myself included, where I often go, this is the life I want, and then I'll let God fit in in these certain times that are convenient for me. And I just challenge myself and all of us in the room, we won't see real spiritual impact that way. It will only come when we prioritize, okay, God, what are you wanting? What are you telling me to do? And then I'm going to build my life to be sustainable around what you're asking of me. And so if he's asking you to make an impact, to get involved, to find real community in your life, don't put it off. Your life is like a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone the next. It's a short breath. It's why Esther in 4.14, it says, for if you remain silent at this time, she was the queen. And they're like, if you don't do it now, 
You're going to wait, but if you, if you don't do it now, you're going to miss out. Relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but that you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And because she's going to act on that moment, she's going to save the, that Jewish community, the Israelites, all because she had the, 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 the faith to risk it and do what was required in that moment. Man, I want to encourage you, make the most of your time, but it's going to take priorities. And that means for some of you today, you need to, to start getting involved in the local church. And when I say getting involved in the local church, I don't just mean at the worship services. That is a great thing to do. I hope you get involved here in our kids ministry, our student ministry, and all the other weekend teams that we've got. But I, I want to challenge some of you. Because there are a lot of hurting and broken people out there who will never step foot in a local church. In fact, the statistics are that over 60% of people in, right here in Indiana will never step foot in any type of faith-based building in their life. Over 80% of people will never attend any type of Christian worship gathering at all this year. That means there is a huge portion of the population that will only be reached if we go to them. And that's what our Outpost Network is designed to do. That's what it's all about. I'll end with this, if you remember, verses 10 to 12. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked away in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. In the end, it took the effort of those guys showing up, but the reality was the power the authority came from Christ. You don't have to be anybody's savior. You just have to make yourself available by prioritizing the mission of Jesus in your life. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you for every person in the room. I thank you that they were willing to even get up and come here this morning. We've acknowledged your presence here. We've studied your word. And now, God, I pray we actually put it to action. That we don't just sit back and it's 4th and 16 in the American church today, and we just sit back and just wait. We're going to have to make a decision at some time. We're going to get involved. We're going to go. We're going to do something. And so we pray, Jesus, that you might use our efforts, that we might prioritize your mission in our life, demonstrate how to do that uh, this week and even this morning. As we go out to the outpost tailgate, God, connect us with the right people to get involved, to reach out to our neighbors and reach people for Christ, to be used by you to help those in need and proclaim our faith. If you're here today and we want to become a mission-driven Christian and not just a church attender, I invite you to pray this with me. God, use me. I don't want this life just to be about me. Use my life to make a real impact that lasts for eternity. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's family said, amen. <laughs>